Hey, my name is J.D. Larson, one of the pastors at North City Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. I hope this inspires and equips you to love God more deeply and to love your neighbor as yourself. At North City, our mission is to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, and we hope this message emboldens you to do just that in whatever space God has sent you to. Be sure to subscribe and keep in touch with the conversations North City is having. And if you want to find out more about our community, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Pastor JD, how are you? Uh, Hey, if you're joining us for the first time this week, Thank you. Thank you for watching this uh, and bless you. If you want to learn more about who we are as a community, a community of communities, uh, please reach out to us. Text us in the number that's in the description. Email us. Uh, We'd love to get to know your story and tell you our story of North City. Uh, I'm Pastor JD, one of the pastors at North City, and today, uh, this week, is Microchurch Sunday. So we've got a bunch of different microchurches watching this, maybe live, maybe before, maybe after. Um, and if you joined us for this, awesome. We'd love to tell you about a microchurch, or maybe this can just be a space of reflection uh, for you as well. But we'd love to connect either way. For you microchurches, what's up? Uh, hey, everybody, if you're watching this separately or North City online community, how's it going? Hopefully Adobe and Phil are making some good jokes for you all. I know they love to banter back and forth. Aspen, Covenant Church. We love you guys. We're so proud of you. Rest in connection. If you're listening there in Corner Coffee, as I know you do sometime, what's up? Um, All our other North City communities, we're so proud of you. So proud of the way that we have been able to innovate uh, together in this time and stay connected. If you're not yet a part of a North City community, we'd love to plug you into one. They are micro expressions of our church. We think their church each of them individually, this expression of uh, connecting with God together, connecting uh, with each other, and being on mission together, so important. So, love you guys. We're going to set, I'm going to set you up for some dwelling in the Word. That's a process of us reading scriptures together and then discussing. If you're just watching online, you can do some reflection from the questions that we have uh, for you. Uh, But before we jump into scripture... I have this question for you. Do you uh, ha- have you reached the point in your life? I have because I'm 33 where I hear phrases every once in a while where I'm like, I don't know what that means uh, immediately, uh, but it must be something the kids are saying or it must be a cultural reference that I haven't heard yet. Uh, one of those things uh, got thrown out the other week that I, that I heard about, and that was the term Zillow surfing. Do you know what Zillow surfing is? I pieced two and two together when I heard the phrase, but Zillow is a website or an app uh, that is for home listings. The MLS is listed on there and homes that are for sale are on there. There's also a huge catalog of old photos of houses that have been lifted, uh, listed before. Um, and Zillow surfing is this term for people uh, using hours of the day to surf listings in Zillow. And I have certainly been guilty of this. Uh, I do some real estate. And in addition to that, uh, whenever I travel, I'm always just intrigued. Like, what's the real estate market uh, like this? What? Do, what? Do, how do people live in these, these uh, uh, or, or what kind of homes do people live in around 
here. And uh, what's really interesting, the New York Times wrote an article about Zillow surfing uh, a number of months ago in November. One of the primary users of Zillow are teenagers, Uh, people who don't even have the capacity. Maybe some teens do, those famous YouTubers or something. They don't even have the capacity to purchase the homes that they're looking for. But it's uh, almost this act activity that they do uh, to, to surf, to, to kill time. Uh, but I think there's something deeper going on, and that's what this, uh, this New York Times article uh, talked about. And it said, uh, Zillow, in the midst of the pandemic, has uh, got a 50% uptick in people surfing on their website. And home buyership isn't up by that much. People are just Zillow surfing. And they said, uh, Zillow surfing has become the primary form of escapism for those who want to flee not just their homes, but the reality of 2020. And I would say 2021. And here's their cultural assessment of this. And this is so interesting. And I want you to, to, to see if this is true about other aspects of our modern life, other spaces where we surf, if you will, uh, even in real life as we look around us, but also on our devices and different things. It says, Zillow is a giant canvas onto which people project their desires and insecurities and a constantly evolving document not just for the housing market, but how people live. Wow, what a powerful sentence. It's a place in which a canvas, like we're painting or we're looking for, uh, projecting our own desires, our dream home, our dream kitchen, and our insecurities. And it's a place where people go to answer internal questions about how to live. Man, there's a lot of platforms that turn into Zillow surfing. You could add Instagram, you could add Facebook, you could have uh, whatever media form you find yourself surfing. Many instances are designed for just this. That sentence just so struck me. One, because I find myself doing it sometimes. But two, uh, because it so communicates what a lot of 2020 and 2021 2021 have been like and it says something deeper about the human condition deeper about what it means to try to find life as a human that we often find ourselves tricked into a place or we find ourselves having a habit of projecting our desires and insecurities outside of ourselves, and going and looking at what other people have or other things around us or what we don't have and saying And being convinced, man, if I had that, my life would be this way. Man, if I had that, my life would be so much better. Man, if I had that, I would really have life. Now, Jesus, who we follow, who we love, who we profess at North City to live in the way of Jesus, is acutely aware of this part of the human condition. He's acutely aware that we have the temptation to Zillow surf in all other areas in our life. Uh, They were Zillow surfing before there was even the internet, us humans. We have always let our eyes be turned towards what other people have as a way of projecting insecurity or seeking after the desires that are in our own heart. Adobe last week shared this amazing sermon 
with us where she explored the story of the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler who had everything. He had the best listing ever on the Zillow of ancient times, right? I'm sure he had all the houses. He came to Jesus because he was still looking for life. He came to him and he said, how can I get eternal life? And uh, Adobe preached this great sermon that I would refer you to about how Jesus uh, changed his perspective and tried to point him towards more about who we're being than what we have and what we do, which was amazing. And I want to continue that conversation today. We're in this series called The Upside Down Journey Towards Resurrection, Towards Real Life, Towards the Life That Jesus Can Bring Us. And further on in that passage, Jesus continued to challenge the way we think we get life, the way we think we can have life. And he's continually turning it upside down and inviting us into his upside down kingdom. And he does that uh, later in the text in uh, chapter 20 of Matthew. So that's what I want to dwell in today. Let's look at what Jesus has to say about where we find life. Um, And so uh, I want to continue. I'm going to read uh, Matthew 20 verses 1 through 16. And I think we're going to get a a great challenge about how we can see our lives differently to enter into the life Jesus has for us. So go ahead and turn in in that if you want to take out your Bible. The scripture will be on the screen as well. Uh, Just by way of reminder, this is to set us up for discussion. And so we always ask these questions uh, because we think the Holy Spirit can uh, speak to you, not just with the words that I'm saying, but more more importantly and more primarily through the things that Jesus said. So open your heart and mind to the questions of what's standing out to you. What might the Holy Spirit be uh, illuminating for you in the text or inspiring for you in the text? What questions do you have? We are, we are so pro-questions at North City because we think they lead us closer to Jesus, not further away. And uh, what, what do you think the Holy Spirit might be saying to us through this story that Jesus is going to tell? Those are important questions for you to reflect on if you're just watching or for you to maybe take notes on if you're listening or watching in a North City community. Before we read the text, let me just tell you, I already said uh, this is right after, in some sense, the, uh, the rich young ruler episode in Matthew. And immediately after that, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, kind of turns to Jesus and goes, what the heck, man? Like, if this guy can't get into your kingdom, can't get into eternal life, then we're all doomed. And he looks at him and he says, hey, we've given everything. Like, this this is the guy, Peter, who I talked about two or three weeks ago, who left his livelihood, who left his fishing business, his the, he was an heir to, to follow Jesus. And he got super nervous. He's like, oh, man, that guy who's done everything right, who has everything, the guy that everybody's ever envious of, he, he can't even enter into it. Like, what are we doing? And Jesus responds to him and says, everyone who leaves things behind in this earth, whether that's houses, property, uh, friends, family, to follow me, to invest in the kingdom of God, will we get a return a hundred times, a hundred X for those of us in the startup world. And then he says this phrase, that I want to zero in on today, this upside down phrase, one of those that Jesus has. He says in 19, chapter 19, verse 30, and then he'll say it again at the end of our scripture that we're reading. He says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Jesus is trying to give this phrase 
just to communicate how upside down this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, this reality of finding our worth and goodness in God and seeing and participating in what he's doing around us instead of the trappings of the scripts that we find around us, this upside down journey towards resurrection. He continues uh, in chapter 20 here, and that's our scripture for today. He's going to tell a little parable, so let's read it. He says, for the kingdom of heaven, like I was just describing, the kingdom of God, which Jesus says, that's what he came to proclaim. That's the good news, to enter into the kingdom of God, where he's the leader of your life, um, and you follow him uh, with grace and confidence and faith. You repent and believe. To enter into the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is a day's wage in that time, for a day and sent them into the vineyards. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyards and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyards. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first ones. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius, a day's wage. So when those who came who were hired first They expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have bore the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them. I am not being unfair to you, friend. I love how he says friend. Don't you agree? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Didn't we work that out? Take your pay and go. I want I want to. This is something I want to do. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do that with uh uh don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? And then here's the line that I want to kind of focus in on that I think is so relevant for what we're talking about today. He says, or are you envious because I am generous? Then he repeats the phrase, Jesus does. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Wow. Quite a story. I'm wondering what you were feeling in that, what were standing out to you, what you were resonating with. Hopefully you can be in a great discussion in a few minutes here in your North City community or that uh, sparks something t- in you if you're, if you're um, listening uh, to this. You know, as I mentioned there, the phrase that really stuck out to me was this uh, 
back half of verse 15 where it says, are you envious because I am generous? This is just really sticking with me. And this idea of envy, I think, is what is behind often um, Zillow surfing reality of my life, of our lives, where we find ourselves just perpetually looking over the proverbial fence to our neighbors and saying, oh, man, the grass looks greener over there. A psychologist I'm learning from uh, said when we often look too much at the grass in our neighbor's yard, we end up poisoning our own grass. I think there is so much of our life that we can go through, and I'd be the first to admit this, where we waste so much of our, our, our energy in envy when God's goodness is right there in front of us. Part of the invitation that I think Jesus wants to give when he's saying that the first will be last and the last will be first, then whatever you give up to participate in the kingdom of God, whatever you sacrifice, whatever you give up to join in to eternal life, to join into the life of the kingdom of God, you will receive a hundred times as much. He's talking about having the capacity to see God's generosity and not be blinded by envy. You know, envy, just to define it, because I think it's helpful to define it, and maybe you can identify how this comes up in your life. Maybe it's Zillow surfing. Maybe it's other things. We all have this and experience it. It's the painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by someone else joined with a desire to possess that same thing. You know, this is such a striking story because there's so many aspects like our I just want to say that like our American milieu, our environment, the scripts that were handed, we would probably be angry right there with the people who worked all day. Maybe you found yourself resonating with their grumbling. Like, dude, we worked all day and they worked an hour and you gave them the same thing. Let me just be clear. God's kingdom is not like the kingdom of America. It's not like the meritocracy. It's not like the kingdom of merits where if you work hard you, and you get ahead, then you deserve to be rewarded. That's, that's an American, or, and it's not just exclusive to American. That's how most economies in the world are structured. That's how most things are structured in the world. And there's a, there is some goodness to that. Like we want people to be able to work hard and receive a wage for that. But Jesus is saying, I come representing an upside down kingdom. And what's upside down about it is it's based on God's goodness, not about having a lot, not about earning a lot. It's not to be earned. The kingdom of God is not to be earned. In Peter's question, are we going to get anything because we gave up so much? Peter is kind of asking, what are we going to earn for doing this? And Jesus is sort of telling this story to say, it's not about what you're going to earn. It's about focusing on how good God is right in front of you. You know, this, this line in verse 15, uh, I, I geeked out uh, on it a little bit and looked at the Greek. And this word that's translated envy and the words that's translated generosity are actually a little bit different. The, the word for envy actually is the word for eye and the word for evil. So it's like the evil eye, but it's not like giving someone the stink eye or the evil eye. It's a theme that Jesus is trying to communicate in Matthew. And he actually uses the same phrase in Matthew 6, verse 23, when he says, The eye is the lamp for the whole body, for your whole life. If the eye is healthy, 
the whole body will be full of light, full of health. That's, that's a metaphor of health for him, of well-being, of truth, of life. Um, but if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. You know, it, I think of this envy as a perspective, as where we're choosing to give our attention. Where we choose to give our attention forms who we are. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, like, envy can look a lot like this. These are shades. They darken my perspective. And he's identifying that that's what happens there at the vineyard. Then enable for, instead of them being focused on the fact that they got to work, that God was generous, or, or the God figure in this story was generous with them hired them early and gave them something to do all day and no one else hired them. Instead of the goodness of God, they were distracted because of envy that was blinding them from what was right in front of them, the wage that the vineyard owner just put in their hands. And I think the challenge for us is to reject the envy that the world always presents to us. Wherever we give our attention, there is always an envy engine waiting f- for us to develop envy. There, en- envy. I mean, without, without fail, whenever I get on my Instagram feed and scroll down a little bit, there is some cool advertisement where some really fit guy is climbing some mountain and clearly has tons of freedom, and he has the coolest backpack that I, I clearly am not living until I have that backpack. It is an envy engine. And our lives are littered with it. And the enemy is always looking to distract us, to put things in front of our vision that makes us look beyond the fence and say the grass is greener. And we're always looking at the greener grass and we end up poisoning what God has right in front of us. If we think our provision, our well-being is based on what we have or don't have compared to others or on our merits and not on God's goodness, on his generosity, we will be doomed for envy. I wanted to show you guys this because it's so fitting. Some of you might have heard me reference this before, but there's this quote that uh, hangs in our office. I have no idea who put this here, uh, but it rings true in what Jesus is trying to say here. It says, comparison is an act of violence against the self. You could just as easily substitute the word envy for comparison. Jesus came to save the world. Jesus came to heal you. Jesus came, he said, so that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't want you to Zillow surf through the rest of your life. Jesus wants you to be able to see the goodness and the generosity of God. To walk the upside-down journey towards resurrection, let's be a people who exchange envy in our lives for the goodness and the generosity of God. Now, you might be saying, well, how do we do this? And I'll I'll, I'll put you or I'll send you back to discussion soon, but I just want to leave you maybe with some practices or some ideas uh, to, to do this. And the first is, In your own North City community, if you're watching this, I highly encourage you to incorporate a practice of gratitude. The the journey between envy and generosity and being focused on God's goodness, the gap between those two things is gratitude. Can you imagine instead of grumbling 
if the people who were hired first had gratitude for the vineyard owner who hired them and who was being so generous to the people who only worked an hour, if they were able to be grateful instead of being envious, how they would have been able to see not only the Father's goodness, but uh, been able to participate in that generosity as well. So uh, what does it look like for you to have a practice of generosity and gratitude in your life? And that's what I would say as well. We are such a generous church uh, financially, but in so many other ways. Our value of hospitality, our value of welcoming other people into our space and into our lives is a form of generosity in and of itself. I'll leave you maybe with this one thing that really stuck out to me. Christian Ann and I were were talking uh, earlier this week, and she shared with me a prayer that's been really meaningful to her. Um, Not necessarily in this uh, particular topic, but it fits with having a practice or an attitude or having eyes that are generous instead of envious. It's this Lenten prayer uh, that uh, has been a prayer throughout time in the Lenten season, and maybe I just want to Uh, invite you to join me in praying this as we conclude and I send you off into your groups and maybe it's a prayer that you can return back to daily to foster a perspective of gratitude and reject a perspective of envy. He says, you have given me or you have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace, and that is enough for me. Can you imagine a life founded on that truth, where God's love and his grace are enough? Can you imagine the peace that would come to your life? I want that. I know many of you want that what it means for us to live that journey of upside down kingdom, that journey towards new life is to embrace and focus on the love and the goodness of God. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you have great discussions in your micro churches. Uh, Bless you. We'll see you next week. Hey, this is Pastor Christian Ann of North City Church. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. We hope you feel more empowered to love your neighbors in the way of Jesus. If you have thoughts or questions, we would love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message on our website, northcitychurchmpls.com backslash sermons. Learn more about the North City community there as well. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. A special thanks goes out to Ben Noble for the music on this podcast. If you haven't heard Ben Noble's music yet, check it out at bennoblemusic.com. Let me send you into your day with this blessing. May God give you the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that God is doing in the world around you. And may he give you the courage to respond. Amen.